2: Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Boland. And today we're going to talk about Vespa scooters. Yes, yes, we are, and uh, I don't know. We've got we've got a, a strong opinion about this. I think that maybe later we should discuss that. You know what we think about them in uh, in Atlanta traffic.
4: All right. Yeah. You know what? Fair enough. Let's let's uh, wait for the end there because that's subjective. So let's keep it just just the facts.
2: For yeah. A maybe while. kind of percolate that in your in your head there for a little while and think about maybe what you <laughs> think about scooters in traffic, and we'll get to that later and see see if you agree with us. Yes. Okay.
4: So. Uh, once upon a time, right? Mm-hmm. The uh the Vespas uh company is and I hope I'm not butchering this too too bad. Uh Piaggio. Oh
2: I'm glad you said it, not me.
4: Okay. Well uh Pi- Piaggio, all apologies to pronunciation, uh was founded in Genoa in eighteen eighty four by a guy named Ronaldo Piaggio. Get this Scott, he was twenty years
2: old. Did you say eighteen eighty four? That's yes. a long, long time ago. Yes. I never would have uh, dreamt that this went back that far. Now, I don't think the Vespa itself goes back that far, right? right? Okay, and that because, that's because, um, you know, you can imagine Italy around, you know, World War II, heavy, heavy damage, right? Yeah. And as the story goes, I mean, maybe Ooh. I'm skipping skipping ahead here a little we farther should. than you wanted to, no, right? go ahead. But uh, as the story goes, and, you know, this is uh, kind of a tale that's been around for a long time because I think it matches with... Other companies, too. Vespa's competitor, actually. Yeah, exactly. So the, the idea is that, you know, here's this factory mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, in, in Italy, war-torn Italy just after World War II. Right. And uh, it's, it's in shambles. There are places that are difficult to get to. You've got to walk long distances mm-hmm. to get them. Um, they need a, a small vehicle in order to get to the other end of the factory. And uh, <laughs> that's the the charming little tale that, that says, well, let's develop this, uh, this scooter to get around, right? Yes. And as
4: with many charming tales, there are some questions about the authenticity, but it's a great story.
2: Yeah, because it matches exactly their competitor's story of why they developed the same type of vehicle, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so so does that... Is that, is that true or not? I don't know, but you know, it's it's a charming tale. And here's what we do
4: know for sure: Vespa was first produced in April of 1946. Mm-hmm. So it so even though it's not 1884, 1946. This is a pretty long
2: time ago now. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a significant time. We're we're approaching uh, what 80 years? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and uh, coming up on that. Um, and and the strange thing about this now, if you know about uh, the Italian language, you mm. would already know this, but Vespa is the Italian word for wasp, mm-hmm. and it was given to uh, the vehicle in question because when it was shown to um, you know, the the, uh, the founder of the company, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he said develop this little vehicle to get around the shop, supposedly. Um, the first thing he said is it sounds like a wasp, it looks like a wasp. I'm going to call it a wasp, and that's a, uh, well, Vespa yeah. in Italian. So <laughs> simple as that, and uh, again, how much of that's true, I'm not exactly sure, mm-hmm. but uh, it makes a great story.
4: And we do know it's true that nowadays Vespas are everywhere. They are virtually on every continent except for Antarctica. Really? Well, it's just, it, I
2: mean, it's too cold, right? Really. No, yeah. Probably a <laughs> good guess, I would say, Ben.
4: And they're, uh, and technically, right? Technically, Vespa is a brand name, and the actual
2: machine is what we call a scooter, yeah, that's right. Because there's a difference between mopeds and scooters. Mm-hmm. And if you want, I've got a couple of small differences here that that we generally recognize as differences between mopeds and scooters. Because when I grew up, it was mopeds mostly. And of course, there were Vespa's around, obviously, right? Uh, which were motor scooters. But uh, a lot of kids had uh, mopeds in my in my neighborhood. And uh, mopeds are typically, if you if you want, like, kind of draw a dividing line, mm-hmm. there's like a 50 cc motor size. Um, difference or engine size between mopeds and scooters anything below 50 cc is considered a moped anything above 50 cc is considered a motor scooter now there's conflicting information about that in a moment when we talk about you know vespa models today right but um that's kind of the line that, that's drawn there um the other thing is that mopeds are typically um a pedal they have a pedal system the feet of the rider are out on pedals, and that's the kind I remember from when I was young. Yeah. Uh, they look more like a bicycle with an engine. Remember the early, early motorcycles that we, we saw? Yeah. Um, well, these were, you know, much smaller engines, of course, you know, the two little tiny two stroke engines. Uh, they could be start, uh, you, could, you could start them with a pedal system, which you pedal really fast, and mm-hmm. the engine would start up. Or you could just pedal them like you would a bike. A big, um, Inefficient bike. <laughs> it's kind of close to what we would call an electrically assisted bike. Yeah, exactly. And then motor-assisted. motor, motor assisted. And, then, and then motor scooters. Um, they had no pedal system, so you know you rely strictly on the engine itself, the motor mm-hmm. itself. And um, you have like a footwell or kind of like a little pocket in front to protect the rider's feet. They place them up in a like a forward sitting position. And there's
4: a little cowl over the.
2: Exactly, like a uh, yeah, like a wind or, or a dirt cowl. Um, it protects you from the elements a little mm-hmm. bit, just a little bit. Um, um, to me, mopeds just simply look more like a bike, I guess, than a motor scooter. motor scooter looks like maybe a scaled-down... Uh, I don't even know about a motorcycle now that I think about it, really. Well, yeah,
4: the pedals, I think, are going to be key for someone who is attempting to differentiate between a moped and a scoot- motor scooter and mm-hmm. doesn't have the, uh, the ability to, uh, you know, check out the engine. Um, there's an upper-level cutoff for the CC on a scooter, uh, typically anything
2: 250 cc and under down to 50 cc you know I'm glad you said that because yeah. I've seen signs on the highway mm-hmm. that uh, that state any motor vehicle with you know a cc, an engine cc lower than this is not allowed on the freeway mm-hmm. or highway rather yeah um, so that must be a way to differentiate you know um, well from motor scooter to motorcycle right. and say you're not allowed over in this area even though you're a licensed vehicle for city streets, you're not allowed to come onto the, the highway at, you know, these n- speeds of 65, 70 miles an hour. Oh, I'm um,
4: chomping at the bit to talk uh, about
2: are you? the subjective stuff oh, at the end. Okay. Let's okay, keep okay. it objective, right? Uh, all right. So basically what we've got is we've got a two-wheeled, um, four-stroke, sometimes two-stroke mm-hmm. engine. Uh, we don't need to go into the differences of that now. It's something between the 50 cc's and, let's say, um, Two hundred and fifty. Although I'm seeing some of these Vespa's are pushing. some of them are pushing. They're, yeah. they're pushing a little bit above that. Um, it, it just seems like it's an easy. It's an easy way to differentiate them with the pedal thing. That's probably the simplest way.
4: Yeah. the uh, The thing about Vespas, which is a phrase we'll probably use a couple of times in the, in this episode, the thing about Vespas is that they have a unique position in the world of motor scooters. Uh, you could compare it to Maybe a norm, uh, an Apple iPod versus another MP3 player. Mm -hmm. Vespa's uh, the form factor makes them easily recognizable, even now that they have licensed out a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to
2: say it's like a like a premium brand, really. That's a great way to say it. I I think that's probably the way to say it. I'm sorry to interrupt.
4: No, no, not at all. So advantages. uh, I I feel like we have to do due diligence and list some advantages Mm -hmm. of. Of a scooter or a Vespa, sure. A scooter in general is going to be much less expensive than, um, obviously, a car, mm-hmm. but also much less expensive probably than some motorcycles. Agreed. Uh, now, a Vespa, as as you had said earlier, is more on the premium end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I got to ask because we can set this up what what's the cheapest vespa like the cheapest price oh
2: oh you know what if you want a brand new vespa Um, i've got a chart here that compares all of them from vespa.com you can go there and check for any country read this in your own language and uh um, you know check out this comparison list that's probably the greatest tool that i found on their on their website um compares all models all all makes and uh lets you know the the engine size the max speed the miles Mm-hmm. Um, the price, the low end price for a brand new Vespa right now, is about thirty two ninety nine, so a little over, well, just a little under thirty three hundred dollars. Um The high end, Ben, mm-hmm. the high end goes up just below seven thousand dollars, just below seven grand, seven grand for a, uh, a GTV three hundred IE model uh, w- that they have. I,
4: I want to point out you can buy a. Uh quality used car for seven grand
2: <laughs> yes you can yeah you be you know what when we were talking about seven thousand dollars and you may say like what why would i ever buy a motor scooter for seven thousand dollars some people buy it for you know style they buy it for efficiency they buy it for you know just way to get around town in fact i've got a short list of why, why people may buy one right but, okay good. um the top speed on these ben I, yeah. and i may be jumping the gun on this too no no this is great you know the the low speed. Let's say for the the thirty two ninety nine model, mm-hmm. um, the low speed is going to be about thirty nine miles per miles per hour. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's maximum maximum speed for the uh, the thirty three hundred dollar model. And that engine is a uh, what was it again? That's a forty nine cc engine. Okay. So just under it's forty nine and a half. So let's let's call it fifty. Right, right at right about fifty. Um, the largest cc engine, which is two hundred seventy eight cc's. And, you know, the model that I mentioned it was $7,000. Mm-hmm. The top speed, Ben, 80 miles per hour.
4: Which floored me when because uh, we had talked about this briefly off-air. And that blew me away, man, because it's, I'll tell you, honestly,
2: I have never in my life seen a Vespa go that quickly. I agree. 80 miles per hour. Now, that's that's actually that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a Vespa, it's it's not... I mean the Vespa that has the 278 cc engine. It's not any bigger. It doesn't look like um, I've seen some you know scooters on the on the main roads that are relatively big. They look like uh, motorcycle. Right. Yeah. For for most you know most purposes, the feet are in the forward position. They're not on spikes on the side. But um, these the, for a Vespa to go 80 miles per hour and to look like a Vespa and and the same size as a Vespa, mm-hmm. the same one that goes 39 miles per hour, I was blown away. Um, now they get great fuel mileage too, yes, that is another advantage of a vespa is so, get great fuel mileage yeah since I've got this this chart out i mean i can I can just say it I guess the uh yeah you know, obviously the bigger the engine, the lower the fuel economy and but when I talk about low fuel economy, I'm mm-hmm. talking like you know the big engine eighty miles per hour seven grand between sixty five and seventy miles per gallon, which is really good. It's tough to beat that that is uh that's I don't know that that's like top end of uh, hybrid cars, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to go down to the the forty nine and a half cc engine, the you know the smaller one, thirty three hundred dollar model, you're getting between eighty five and ninety miles per gallon. It's great because the mileage improves. Exactly. Yeah, and I think I think people will claim that you know they get even more than that. You know, it depends on the terrain that they're riding on. If it's all flat, they may get even better if they're able to coast for some distance. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a, there's a reason behind these things that that people get them. I mean, they get great fuel mileage. They're they're convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're like a small package, easy to maneuver around in traffic. You can park them easy. Um, you don't have to worry
4: about the parking space. That can be key because Vespa's you know are built for the. Uh, were originally uh built for a situation wherein people could not afford cars, both in terms of space as well in terms of pure
2: finance. Yeah, you know? just being able to, to buy anything. It was. uh I think that you know when we mentioned that they were, when they were developed back in the '40s, this was like it, it was like. Kind of a way to represent like a, a comeback, you know, like, like mm-hmm. they were able to, uh, you know, come through the, uh, the horrors of war and, and, you know, be able to afford a vehicle to get around town and to, you know, just go to the market and, um, it, it helped out quite a bit because, you know, it could be a long distance to walk into town to pick up that loaf of bread or whatever you're getting. Yeah, no um, kidding. And, you know, it, it falls somewhere in between like, you know, too far to walk, um, bicycle ride would be okay but maybe unpleasant uh if you had a car it might be wasteful you know to take Mm -hmm. a car that distance so um vespas or or motor scooters in general kind of fall into that range they're they're like a a medium distance type vehicle and for you know for between thirty three hundred and let's say seven thousand dollars now you can have a vespa
4: And, uh, since we're talking about some of the claims for advantages of Vespas, I found this, uh, fairly courageous claim here. It said that, uh, if Americans were to switch 10% of their total mileage to motor scooters, uh, we would save about 50 million in gas, 50 million dollars, consume 14 million gallons less of fuel, and, uh, reduce CO2 emissions, uh, just under 325
2: okay. million pounds. Okay, yeah. And if we each took showers only every third day, we would save a lot of water, too.
4: Right. And if we each evolved the ability to fly unaided, then think of all the money we'd save on gas. Yeah, we would, uh, airlines <clears throat> would go out of business. I think what you and I are both trying to say here is that <laughs> it is rather <laughs> unrealistic to assume that at least Americans would go for. Um, a switch of that nature. Well,
2: you know, the climate has a lot to do with this because, I mean, I know that if, you know, down here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it might be a reasonable choice for someone for a short to mid-distance, tra- you know, mid-distance trip.
4: Sure, especially if you live downtown and you're trying to uh, go to a grocery store that's like two miles
2: away. Okay, I, I'll buy that. And But let's say that you're up north and it's snowing and sleeting mm-hmm. and it's the middle of winter and you've only got this Vespa in the garage likely you're going to walk versus take that vespa or you know of course you have a car you're going to take that but mm-hmm. um if you're if your choice is ride a 2 wheeled vehicle that has no traction in the snow and ice or if you're going to you know or walk i would mm-hmm. choose walk at that point obviously the the better choice would be a vehicle but um, if that's your two choices you know at that point you're going to walk all right so i guess there's a a few different things that Vespas that are for different people, I guess, since we're, since we're talking about yeah, all these differences, yeah. really. I mean, you mentioned that they're a cheaper alternative to a motorcycle or a car.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: they're good for A to B transportation, you know, just short to mid distances. Um, but to a lot of people and, you know, to people that, like we mentioned, they were developed in the 40s. Well, by the 1960s, the British teens had caught on to the craze. And they decided that, you know, this was a, a kind of a cool style thing to for them to uh, to be able to... To ride around on a scooter and be kind of part of this, this new, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this, Ben. It was like a new fashion, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, almost
4: like, uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting my subcultures correct, but it's, it was a very big thing with the British mod crowd. Yeah, that's right.
2: Kind of like, uh, picture like the hipsters today, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them have, uh, vehicles like this. Um, now they're collector's items. They're, they're hobby items. There's even, um, like racing series that, that use yes. Vespas and, You know, now that I see that... You know, I kind of laughed at this. I chuckled a little bit, like (laughs) racing Vespas. I'm thinking, you know, these little putt-putt vehicles that I see around town. (laughs) No way. Right. But if you watch, you know, check out some YouTube videos, there's some tuners that that will take a Vespa and make it really, really fast. I mean, 80 miles per hour is fast.
1: Mm -hmm. Imagine
2: taking that and going beyond that or taking a smaller engine and making it go up to 80 miles an hour i mean that's an even lighter weight and you know it's just a very i guess it was a very competitive series that races vespas absolutely and i'm so
4: glad that you mentioned the point about the um the style the 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 allure of the aesthetics the allure of the history in a lot of ways uh you could consider um the same classic car motivation like some people have a want to have a Vespa because it seems to them as as though it is a classic. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like having a, a beautiful car from the fifties. And you know, there's no accounting for taste. I respect that. I do admit that these are um, these are well designed vehicles for what they are. Another another thing that's that's interesting that we have in um, our article on the website is there's a mention of. Um, You know, they've got small wheels, Vespas. Sure. Like 8 to 12 inches. Okay. And uh, one of the things that's neat about this is it's always been very important to the company that the tires would be something the rider could replace or the owner could replace.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That, you know, you can do a roadside repair relatively quickly on this type Mm. of vehicle. And uh, oftentimes, you know, Vespa will carry its own spare.
1: managing your diabetes just got easier the powerful new dexcom g7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks so you can always know which way your glucose is headed an arrow shows you where you're heading up down or steady It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com.
5: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
2: Yes. Um, sometimes yes. you'll see a spare tire attached to the back of this on, you know, like a, a small um, luggage rack or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that you know they did, they had the forethought to think about this. You know, instead of like on a motorcycle where it's uh, positioned between a couple of forks, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a more difficult tire to change. You can do it obviously, right? But um, this is a a really quick on off quick switch mm-hmm. that that can be done. And uh, I think that you know that plays into um, just the, you know the idea that this was kind of. Uh, an easy mode of transportation for the masses at one point, you know. Yeah,
4: definitely. Yeah. And, and oh, oh, go ahead. Okay, uh, so also we should point out that one thing, uh, one thing the Vespa has that is different is that the body that you see is the frame of the vehicle, mm-hmm. right? And so it's all made out of uh, pressed steel. This kind of frame is called a monocoque frame, and this uh, this advantage is um, this advantage is apparent when you're talking about uh, rigidity and strength, especially in comparison to weight. Now, Vespas don't weigh very much at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's... In, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were a couple of listeners who heard us express our surprise at the 80-mile-per-hour limit, right? Sure. And one of the questions for more cautious drivers would be, who, who for Pete's sake, would go 80 miles an hour on a thing designed this way? Mm-hmm. But... Um, with with some of those safety concerns there's a great point, but we also need to point out that the Vespa does have a unique frame and it is probably not as fragile as some people might
2: think. Yeah, it does it does have an appearance of being fragile, but you're right. I mean with the, the bodywork and that's kind of an unusual thing too about Vespas is they've got this this really, I don't know, flowing bodywork design yeah. and, and it still looks like the original Vespa in a in a way. Mm-hmm. Um you can you could look at a new Vespa and think that it has classic lines to it. Uh, that monocoque design—I know that was uh, that was designed. I, there was somebody who I think had worked on aircraft. Is that right? Right. Yes. Um, so it, it makes sense that this is the way that he would design it. And you know, now that I think about it, hmm. doesn't the uh, the smart vehicle—I don't have the name of it—it's like the tritium safety cell or something like that. Um, the the uh, the smart vehicle part of the body that you see on the outside of the car is is the frame. Yes. And yes. That's what makes it strong. And there's a recent commercial that has uh, a nut, like a truck. Um, sitting on top of the frame of the vehicle it's a it's a very well done commercial because it shows you just how strong it is but um that idea is not not brand new no no yeah. it's not
4: it's not brand new it's it's uh it's Fairly uh, safe to say that it was popularized, however, by the Vespa.
2: And, and the other thing is that the bodywork it plays another purpose and has another purpose, and that is, of course, to keep the rider protected mm-hmm. in the front, because you know they have that front cowl, I guess, that keeps your clothes clean, you know, from things flying up on you from the from the, uh, from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it makes it just a little bit quieter because the engine could be encased. Mm-hmm. Uh, engine and transmission can be uh, encased below the seat. Um, oh, so uh, the,
4: not to interrupt. Yeah, sure.
2: Uh the transmission.
4: We should talk about that.
2: You know what? I uh, I do want to talk about the transmission. I, I, can I just quickly yeah, mention yeah, the engine and then I'll get yeah. to the transmission? Because, um, <laughs> no, no, no problem because I, I want to get there because that's maybe the most interesting part of this whole thing is the transmission, I think. Oh, I, you're right. I, you're right. I had no, up to it. I had no idea. Um, but what, look, for the engine, Ooh. we're talking about like maybe some have two-stroke, some have four-stroke, and you'd be surprised some of the new ones have two-stroke engines.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, I didn't think that would be the case but it is Uh, a lot of them have kickstarters um Mm -hmm. it's it's real real simple i mean you can see some charts laid out that show you exactly how the the engines laid out with um um, a transmission shaft a lay shaft in between uh the the uh, the crankshaft um it's really really simple it's just simple when you watch it operate and there are a lot of videos out there a lot of diagrams and charts that'll show you exactly how that's all laid out and how that works not very difficult to get that, um, you know, the Christmas tree years between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some models have um, what they call twisting, or what they call Twist and Go.
4: Yes, yeah, the uh, Twist and Go scooters. Uh, <laughs> those are uh, the modern Vespas, and that's because, am I still
2: in your thunder? No. The transmission is continuously variable automatic. Isn't that cool? So the Twist and Go scooters are automatic scooters. So all you do is twist the handle and you go. Yeah, that's it. You, I just, would,
4: you twist the throttle to accelerate.
2: I was confused by this because when I first – I didn't know much about Vespas. When I first saw the left handle on an old Vespa, an antique Vespa, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was maybe a twist and go because you, you grab the clutch and twist it, and you select a gear based on uh, some, some numbers that are um, – that are etched into the the metal on the, yeah. the arm, and uh, you select a gear, you know, push the clutch, select first, second, third, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the gearing is, and um,
4: and then the right handlebar was the
2: throttle. Exactly, yeah, and um, they, they've given way to now now these automatic transmissions, these twist and go transmissions, or on some models, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a CVT, and it's and it's very very similar to the one that you would find in a car. But the cool thing about this bin is you can go online and you can look at people who have torn the, uh, the cover off of mm-hmm. the CVT and you can watch it in action. You know, they put it up on a milk crate or whatever and, uh, they spin it up and let you see how this thing operates. And, uh, and that's so cool because, you know, I, I had seen that in service training because we had, you know, like a hand crank type, you know, tool <laughs> right, that we could yeah. show other technicians to show how it worked. But, uh, most people don't get to see one in action when really happening. So, um, to be able to do this on a Vespa, you know, with just, the, the tools you have in your garage this is really really neat
4: yeah this is nuts and also just uh hats off to the vespa engineers in the first place uh because i was surprised by cvt um you know i don't know if it's the size but in the course of our preparation for this podcast uh, i found myself continually presently su- pleasantly surprised by the vespa see were cps
2: when you were reading about cvt
4: <laughs> what is cps
2: continuously Oh, surprise! Oh, well, I forgot what I said. Continuously pleasantly, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. That's right. Anyways, <laughs> weak attempt at humor, but let's move on. So, what are people going to see if they check out the video of this in action? Oh, they're going to see two pulleys basically. I just give you it real simple because I've got all the parts laid out here and all these you know arrows and and things. Look, you know, you can see my notes. They're they're a mess.
4: We have to start posting photographs of your notes, man. <laughs> you so probably possible. should.
2: It would uh, make things easier if people could follow along at home. <laughs> um, but there's a there's a stationary side to each one of these pulleys and there's a a side that's in motion and in between the two is a belt and the belt rides up and down on a cone shape i guess i guess that's the best way to say it yeah um and honestly to watch one of these videos is maybe the best way to do this to see how this thing, thing moves up and down but it's continuously changing the the ratios the drive ratios as the speed increases or decreases so um the thing about this is that it, it's you know it's, it's got fixed plates, it's got movable plates, it's got mm-hmm. this belt that that rides up and down. It's it's built for optimal efficiency. It's it keeps the engine operating in like its optimal RPM range. Um, I'm sorry, drive range, final drive range, mm-hmm. and um, it just it keeps everything exactly the way it should be without you really having to think about it. You don't need to shift into gear. You don't need to say like I'm going to slow down. I need to get down into first. Right, right. Um, you just it's, it's, like they say, twist and go. You don't have to think about it. Um, it's it's great on fuel economy. That's why some of these vehicles get, you know, 85, 90 miles per gallon. Yeah. Uh, that's what's pretty incredible. And maybe the, the biggest surprise here, Ben, to me, mm-hmm. was that the system uses a rubber belt instead of a metal belt. Because in cars, they use a metal belt. It's almost like a... Ah, uh, really densely um, linked chain. Yeah, it sounds uh, like chain link. Exactly. Yeah, it's it. it's for um, it's for wear, obviously, because you don't want to have to get in there all the time and replace it. Well, on a on a scooter, um, it's much easier to access the belt, and it's easier to to uh, to change this thing out. And it's it's kind of a a routine maintenance item. So this this rubber belt surprised me. Um, but yeah, because
4: it it's a consumable.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it wears, and you have to replace it. And the, the strange thing about it is that it wears on the sides, mm-hmm. so it'll become. It will become thinner. So a new belt is, is thicker width-wise than an a older belt or used belt, which is worn out on the edges because of the way it rides up and down on these uh, on these pulleys. Yeah. Um, so when you buy a belt, you know, you'll have uh, – there are three numbers on the belt. They'll have, like, a length, width, and an angle on the belt. And you have to get the right one. Right. But the way you know your belt is worn is if you measure the width. And the width is the middle number. So, like, let's say the – the belt is supposed to be 18 millimeters wide. Like a belt may say 645, 1830. Okay. That's uh, 645 millimeters in length, which mm-hmm. you don't really need to know it, other than buying a new part. Um, 18 millimeters in width. That's on the top edge if you were to put a ruler across that. And then uh, the angle, which is the angle of the, uh, the the underside of the belt. You don't really need to worry about that either as long as you get the right one for your, right. your vehicle. Uh, the width you know, if it's if it's supposed to be eighteen millimeters wide and it says it right on the belt, and you measure yours and it's fifteen, that means you got to get a new belt. I mean, time,
4: yeah, it's time to get a new one. Yeah, if
2: it's maybe seventeen, I wait a little bit, maybe, but not long. <laughs> but um, you know, there's there's a I don't know interesting thing about the service about this thing because I just would never think that you know I could service my own CVT at home. It's got a rubber belt. It's uh, it's just it's it's a complex part of the machine, and you're a- yet you're able to do it yourself.
4: Which is, again, another one of the things that I found myself in a, uh, what do we call it, a CPS, continually pleasantly surprised, about the um, about the design of Vespas and the way in which um, the manufacturer emphasized the DIY repairs. Yeah. I think that's really cool. There's some other weird Vespa facts I wanted to tell you.
2: I'd love to hear them.
4: Did you ever hear about the Vespa 400? No, I did not. It's a car. Really? Yes. Uh, The Vespa 400, tiny passenger car. Uh, It had two and four-seater versions. Top speed. Ready? Ready. 55 miles per hour. Not bad. It's at 18 horsepower. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This was in 1957, by the way. Uh, The engine, uh, just under 350 cc's. And I thought it was weird because, you know, you never think of Vespa's in
2: association with cars sorry I'm writing that down that's why I'm, I'm Vespa 400 from 1957 I'm going to look that up because yes, uh, that sounds like uh, something I would be interested in maybe uh, you know that mini and micro car museum that mm-hmm. we have we have here in town I, I wonder if they have any there some people also
4: Scott did the uh, Paris Dakar rally in Vespas no
2: way yes way that, uh, that seems near impossible to I feel imagine. like we're on Bill and Ted yeah and no, <laughs> no, no, no I just don't uh, I, I can't imagine that happening but uh, apparently it did well,
4: they 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 reached the finishing line. They didn't get first.
2: Uh, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah.
4: So um, the let's see, there was oh, there was one other cool one. Ah, yes. For people who want to visit our website and learn more about Vespa's, you can check out our article on Vespa's, where you can learn about
2: the three wheeled Vespa. Hmm, not bad. The ape. A little more. Oh, the ape. I can't believe I didn't even mention the APE, but go ahead. Okay.
4: Well, you know, uh, Scott, you and I have learned it a little bit of Italian for this podcast. Oh, yeah, lots. <laughs> so APE stands for B, or is the Italian word for B. And this is a three-wheeled um, vehicle that's more of a utility vehicle. Now, if you live in the United States Western or Western Europe, uh, odds are your APE sightings are going to be few and far between. However... If you were in Southeast Asia or the Pacific Rim in general, you're going to see these uh,
2: much more frequently. Yeah, they mentioned that a lot of returning soldiers would say that you know they they have memories of of the this, the this, this streets just swarming with these apes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Swarming with bees. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> nice. I didn't even attend that. but uh, but yeah, I guess it's a common vehicle uh, used for um, for taxis, right? Mm-hmm. Personal transportation, obviously yeah. carrying goods to and from markets. You'll see these uh, just stacked with um unbelievable amounts of goods hauling them through the streets you know it's like the yeah uh,
4: crate on crate stacked like jenga or yeah something. the uh, the
2: comical people photos that you'll see of people like i can't mm. believe they're carrying all this on that little little vehicle um yeah but they said servicemen returning have uh well good or bad memories i guess of of seeing lots of these in the streets
4: yeah and uh that this uh continues today um now you're more likely to see a whole bunch of knockoffs of the original design okay um some licensed others not so much uh but the point being that the vespa is uh as a company uh it's doing it's doing well in terms of just models that are around
2: yeah good good and uh you know i've kind of scouring some of the uh you know the the craigslist listings recently because i got interested in this stuff uh while we were reading about them and they uh, they run the price range. I'll tell you that from uh, you know I think the cheapest one I saw was a, a six hundred dollar model that was kind of beat up but still mm-hmm. ran uh, looked really cool because it was an antique, of course. Yeah. Uh, but again, you're still talking six hundred dollars for a scooter that you know I don't even think it had a seat on it.
4: Yeah. Um, I was going to say it probably needs work.
2: Up to you know the the, the current prices, which is are about a thousand. You know, sorry, seven thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. You might see them listed used for about six thousand. Right. So anything in between as well. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of drawn more towards the antique models, I guess. But again, 600 bucks, I don't know, because you can get, you know, a, a 250cc scooter from another company for about, uh, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. Maybe yeah. maybe a thousand. Let's say a thousand. Tends my comparison
4: with Apple again, because exactly. there is definitely a premium
2: there. Yeah, exactly. There's the name recognition, you know. There's the the uh, just the the general style. There's the history that goes along with these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. I don't know, I think it's it's worth it maybe to buy the original in some cases. You know, I got uh, pretty close uh, to buying a Vespa
4: uh, about three years ago, not for myself, really, uh, for my uh, my girlfriend. I oh, had she, no idea she really wanted one. Man, was it pink? <laughs> no, no. It, it remained hypothetical. Okay, luckily because uh, at this situation, uh, at this point in time, it she had a pretty good case because the Vespa. That, that she wanted first, it had to be a Vespa. Mm-hmm. No, no, not, no knockoffs. No knockoffs, exactly. And uh, secondly, the the appeal was that at the time this would be something that she could drive both to work and to school where she was studying. Mm-hmm. Now, I said no. This is kind of my segue into our subjective part. I said no because I don't. I I, I thought that for the money there had to be some other alternative and. I was also just enormously skeptical.
2: Well, you're probably concerned about our safety, too.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, it's not the nine times out of 10 that someone doesn't hit you, it's the one time they do. Sure. And uh, so I I don't want to, you know what, I don't want to get myself in too much trouble telling this story. That's okay. But I do want to use that as a way to segue into our. More subjective part, which to our credit we've partitioned from the rest of the podcast. So to recap so far, we we talked about the history of the Vespa, some of the impressive mechanics inside of it, or excuse Very me, impressive. mechanical components, and we've talked about some of the advantages or the situations in which maybe a driver should consider a Vespa. Exactly. So let's talk about when you shouldn't consider a Vespa or where you shouldn't take it.
2: <laughs> you know, that's this is a tricky bit here because, um, you know, my drive-in, I only drive in about 16 miles mm-hmm. um, from the suburbs into the downtown area and it takes me a long time Ben traffic is intense it's yeah. uh i mean i'm talking like an hour maybe even longer uh both ways sometimes in the evening it's an hour and a half to get home which is rough for a 16 mile trip yeah. come on that's a long that's that's a long time just sitting in your car going nowhere <laughs> the, the the problem is that once you do start going somewhere and and the region around here has a lot of hills yes uh, absolutely so, so you know we're in the foothills of you know we're kind of northern Georgia, but a little bit from the south. Anyways, um, in traffic, you'll find that there are pretty big hills around here. This is where invariably I will get stuck behind a scooter that is chugging up the hill, trying to go as fast. It's going about 17 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. It seems to be maxed out because you know the person is usually bent down, trying to be very aerodynamic. You know, with their their helmet down. Sure. Um, 17 miles an hour, maybe, at the most, and and that just leads to backups behind them and people trying to pass, and maybe, you know, perhaps, I haven't seen it yet, but maybe even an accident, you know, trying to get around this person. Right. Um, Because in traffic, that kind of stuff has an enormous ripple effect. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, like, I'm nervous about, you know, kind of uh, sharing the lane with them, you know, like, not quite getting all the way over to get around Mm. them, and I don't think that's right to do to them either, because, you know, they're legally allowed to be out there, but I don't... I got a problem with someone that's that's on a road that's you know the speed limit of forty five and they're going seventeen.
4: Yeah, I see what you're saying. That can definitely that can definitely be a pain in in heavy traffic because now anyone who lives in a high density, high car density area, you know, like Los Angeles or even Atlanta, uh, knows that people get a little bit crazy uh, during both both day uh, both periods of rush hour, right? Sure. And I always uh, try to be enormously considerate and cautious around bicycles, motorcycles, and motor scooters, all three of which uh, are on the surface streets mm-hmm. of, of Atlanta proper. And um, the, the one thing that, that I will say is that it can be dangerous now most of the time most of the time, the people who pose the danger are not the people on those two-wheeled vehicles. They're mm-hmm. the people in the cars that are maybe in a hurry because they don't want to uh, miss the light or maybe they're just irritated or they're on just, their phone. Just not paying attention. Not paying attention, exactly. Mm-hmm. And my my only uh, personal beef with, with uh, Vespas it has nothing to do with the drivers. It's just that I can't justify... Right now, purchasing one of those if I can only use it in a limited way. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I don't want to offend anybody, but like many other vehicles, a Vespa is sort of a Goldilocks vehicle. There are situations where it's not right. There are situations where it's uh, not optimal. And then there's there's a range in there, depending on where you live and what you're doing, uh, where it's just
2: right. You know what? I completely, completely agree with you. I think that in neighborhoods, like let's say that you want to go from your house over to... Um, uh, the, the clubhouse where there's the swimming pool and the tennis courts and all that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic use of one of those. Great. You live idea. in a, you live in a golf cart community where typically, you know, most of the traffic is going to be golf cart traffic or, um, people on bikes, people walking. Sure. People on scooters, mm-hmm. other people on scooters. I think that's a great idea. You know, they have great, uh, you know, long distances to travel because those are generally sprawling communities. Yeah. And you got a, a, a decent amount of distance to travel. Usually there's a market nearby, something like that. No problem at all. You may even have to cross the main street to get to the other side of the road, you know, where the the rest of the golf course community is, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect use for that. Um, high density areas, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced that that's where it, the way to do it. Now they even say um, a lot of people say like people on farms even use them, you know, to get to the uh, out to the barn or the other side of the pasture or whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, I think that's not bad. You know, maybe a rural community where um, you know there's there's a lot of Times when you know there's just no one on the road except for you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's a good time to do it. But I can't see it being used or, or being useful in heavy, heavy traffic like that. I, I just don't understand um, the comfort. I, I don't have the comfort level to to be around them. I don't think. Yeah,
4: and to play to play uh, devil's advocate here, I will go ahead and point out that uh, when we come when we're talking about drivers for whom the Vespa works. That thing really works well. I mean, Vespa drivers are loyal people. Definitely, they're up there with. Uh, uh, I mean, gosh, they're up there with a the muscle car hey, ben, crowd.
2: I've said it myself. I'd like to have one. I just don't. I just. Well, actually, I know that I wouldn't drive it into work. I would. I would yeah. use it in you know situations where I know that I'm not going to be around any or or very little traffic. I, mm-hmm. That's the only time I would use it. And when I was around, um, you know, almost. Just almost by myself, really. Yeah, but we want to buy one of every vehicle. I think, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> do you have any experience with a, a moped yourself? Do you ever own a moped or minibike mini bike or anything like that? So remember earlier when we did the pedal cars episode and I told you about those people who would let me ride their pedal cars? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes yeah. yeah, they had a moped. Okay. I had a friend with a moped, too, and I, 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 want, I desperately wanted a moped, a pedal type. Yeah. I had a friend who had a, I guess it was a motor scooter. It was, mm-hmm. um, you, do you remember the Honda Spree?
1: No, are you serious? It was when
2: the Honda Spree first came out, and I actually had a bad experience on it because I w- went to turn, you know, uh-huh. this neighborhood turned too sharp and it was on gravel uh, and dumped it. Yeah. And uh, I got, you know, scarred up a little bit with the gravel and everything, and I just never really had much interest in it after that. You got burned. Yeah, I did. I did a little road rash from it from a, <laughs> from a, uh, a Honda Spree, but it was early. You know, like I'd say, like, early, you know, late 80s when I was using mm-hmm. this. So um I know they've gotten much better. I'm going to make It doesn't burn. improve the driver, though. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up, man.
4: I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, I think we're both, we've got our Vespa stuff done, right? So I want to make one prediction. What's that? I believe that we will see more Vespas in the future, uh, perhaps even more uh, just motor scooters of similar design. Because with the uh, inevitable rise in the price of fossil fuels, right, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the need for... Um, or the inevitable rise of po- fossil fuels, pardon me, and the uh, fact that more and more people across the world are living in urban environments where it would be difficult to find a or afford b a spot to park a car. So I think that um, Vespas are going are are set to uh, set to to rise. I, I think it's a rising star.
2: I agree with you, but I uh, I'll throw in the uh, the asterisk with the uh, climate. I think the climate will have a lot to do with that.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, because of the uh, much smaller emissions amount, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, uh, I think you're
2: exactly right. I think that you know when people can you know, get a vehicle that, that achieves 85 to 90 miles per gallon yeah. or more, um, I, I think that the, the choice is simple there.
4: That's true. That's one thing we have noticed uh, in our crazy podcasting uh, partnership. We have noticed that the numbers tend to be the trump card. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at dexcom.com. That's dexcom.com.
5: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit dexcom.com slash compatibility.
4: And to wrap up, if you want, I've got uh, two listener mails. Sounds good? All right, uh, this one I'm, I'm happy to say, Scott, is something that we can uh, say we're already addressing. Uh, Renard writes to us and says, more episodes on motorcycles. He says, I would love to hear more episodes on motorcycles. I've heard the episode on the history of Harley Davidson. A good start might be Eric Buell and all he's done. I ride sports bikes, so I love hearing good details. That's from Renard in
2: Chicago. My brother drives a Buell, so maybe we uh, maybe we can get some info from him on this. Yeah. But uh, but you know, we're always looking for new topics, and, and motorcycles. That's one thing that we try to get into our rotation. So uh-huh. uh, we got scooters today. Maybe next time we'll have motorcycles. Sounds good. And uh, the last one here, uh, John writes to us from uh,
4: Golden, British Columbia, and he says, Greetings, Ben and Scott. I've never been to an auto event at Nürburgring, but I have traveled there for the last four years from British Columbia to go there with some European friends for a three-day music festival. The lineups have always been amazing, and I have my tickets booked for the festival in 2013. It's a beautiful venue and is always one of the highlights of my year. Keep up the good work. And then he gives us a link, and he says, check out these lineups uh this is the um this is a yearly music festival
2: held music festival no racing Four years in a row, no racing. <laughs> you think you'd get on there at least for, you know, like the the uh, the public days when you can go out and drive, you know, or just, a, just ride a tour bus across it or something.
4: Yeah, yeah, especially after making a long trip. You know trip. he's
2: right, though. It must be really cool just to see it because of the history involved in mean, It's supposed to be a beautiful track. I mean, just beautiful, the surroundings and everything about it. It's supposed to be really, really nice. One day,
4: man, we're going to go there. But uh, in the meanwhile, we hope everybody enjoyed our episode on the Vespas. What do you want to hear more about, Uh Write a letter to us, drop a line on Facebook, uh, give us a holler on Twitter, or uh, write an email to us directly at
2: carstuffdiscovery.com. At
5: For
3: more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com.